everybody. I'm Karen Hartglass. You're listening to It's All About Food. And I'm here with Gary DeVitay. Hartglass. We have not done this in so long. For Karen Hartglass. The crowd roars for Karen Hartglass. (laughs) No, the crowd roars for Gary. We want Karen. We (laughs) want Karen. Karen, how are you? I haven't done this show with you in years it feels it like it seems like years years you're, you're my favorite person to talk to on oh. it's all about food how's it been going what have you been up to it's hot it is hot it's hot 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 it's hot it's so hot it's hot in new york it's hot in california it's hot in the southern states it's hot canada's on fire Canada's on, what's going on we're What's getting happening to we're getting planet? a lot of we're getting a lot of smoke from Canada, you know, and it's not like smoke we want. It's smoke we don't want. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I was just reading that Palm Springs record heat there this week in Doesn't... the hundred and teens. Yeah. Right. And, and, and in Arizona. And, you know, of course, we we keep hearing about how where it should be cold, it's no longer cold. And. The oceans are rising and I think it's it. This is it. I think it's the end. So this is our last show that we're going to do because probably this next week, by this time we're done, the planet is going to be uninhabitable or people can't live here anymore. The only thing that will be still around are the cockroaches. Maybe not even, maybe not even them, but uh, it's getting, it's getting pretty dire, sort of scary. And, you know, folks are just, running red lights and continuing to just live with their, as your father would say, their heads in the clouds or someone's father said that. It's very true. Either their heads are in the cloud or their heads are in the sand. So early in June, we had all of this horrible smoke from Canada. And then last week we had some smoke. It, it was, it wasn't dreadful and we didn't shut our windows and we were able to walk. It was just like normal pollution levels, not horrible. Yeah. But is that a thing? But, but, but also then we're getting lots of rain this summer too. I mean, it's been raining off and on the entire summer. And is that a thing? I mean, is that what, what, um, what we're going to be experiencing more of more of this tropical rain? And, I am uh, not a meteorologist, Gary, and I'm not and a I, climatologist, so I cannot say. Yeah, that but, was kind of a rhetorical question. I mean, I, I'm thinking back to my my Al Gore days of watching his film, which was <laughs> kind of an eye opener. I think one of the things was it's going to rain a whole lot more, only yeah. in certain places, though. The weather is definitely erratic. So this Are, is something that we've been talking about for decades, and it's finally here. The climate yeah. crisis is here. And yet still people are living as normally as they can and not seem yeah. to. But what are they supposed here? to do? Nobody's talking about it except for a few people. Stories are getting buried. But today I know you're going to talk about a New York Times story, right? And other things that making the news. But like you said, you're not a meteorologist. I'm not a meteorologist. I just know that it's hotter than I remember it ever being smokier people are on fire and record temperatures in palm springs and other places where we know people who are living and it's all connected to this thing we are ignoring which is called climate change 
some are calling it global warming. But that's the thing, you know, what do you call it so that you can I stop talking? I call it a climate crisis. We're in a climate crisis. Yeah. And the, the folks that are talking about it are yelling and screaming like you and I and other people. It's really something that we need to talk about more. I know. I'm looking at an article that came out last year, April of 2022. And then I'm going to talk about a more recent article. But part of the problem is the media in general has done an abysmal job of reporting the news and reporting the truth. And it's taken decades for them to start printing things. Well, because there are more scientific studies that are happening now, and it's kind of unavoidable not to talk about it. But last year, it was an article, your questions about food and climate change answered, and they were still tiptoeing. They still weren't taking the big steps that are so needed in order to really resolve this climate crisis. So I just want to make a few quotes from this article. For example, it says, is there a simple dietary change I can make to reduce my climate footprint? And it says consuming less red meat and dairy will typically have the biggest impact for most people in wealthy countries. That doesn't necessarily mean going vegan. And right. I can't stand when they say that because what they need to say is, yes, we all need to go big. We all need to make big changes. And the biggest changes that really are not going to affect our lifestyle very much at all. Actually, it'll probably improve improve our lifestyle. Oh, definitely. Is to get rid of the animal, the exploited animal on our plate and in our dessert dishes and in our glasses. Going vegan is to no longer consume animals and the product, the byproducts that we get from animals like dairy and eggs. And animals also include fish in the sea. It's connected to this, the program that we're on right now is called It's All About Food and climate change, whatever you call it, global warming, the climate crisis is connected to what we put on our plate. It's that simple and what we consume. And so what do we have to do? We have to educate people about the benefits of a plant-based diet, not only how it, it benefits this global warming climate crisis that we're all experiencing and discussing right now, but it also helps you with your health. And it obviously helps the animals in addition to the planet, which is what which we're talking about. has always been my primary motivation. The animals. So from that perspective, it's an argument that shouldn't be an argument, but the reason people are still arguing about this is because, as you mentioned, they are in denial about what it is that's creating this problem. And the media doesn't help. So no. back to this article from 2022, they're giving you all of this data, all of these statistics, they're giving you links to reports, but they cannot come out and say what really needs to be said. So there's a headline in the article that says, should humans stop eating meat altogether? And Karen, me right here is going, Yes, but they say in the New York Times last year, not necessarily. A number of our experts have argued that a sustainable food system can and should still include plenty of animals. And they just 
they just can't say it. They can't admit it. They cannot, they have to sidestep, they have to tiptoe, they have to walk on the eggshell so right. that they can keep their advertisers and not alarm people. But we we need to be alarmed. Well, I think it, it's also a education in the way that, you know, there's there's plenty of, of sites out, out there that support going vegan, that support the nutritional excellence of a plant-based diet that support how eating animals is bad for the environment. But let's really talk about what our purpose is at Responsible Eating and Living. And it comes primarily from you wanting to save the animals. I mean, that's why you went vegetarian and then later vegan. And really that's what we're all talking about. So this discussion that you and I are having now about, and you know, they're still saying you can go ahead and eat animals is really the absurdity of why we're trying to find other things to talk about. But in reality, it always comes back to that. Why are we eating animals? We shouldn't eat animals. We're not built to eat animals. And you know, there's plenty of, YouTube videos around. I mean, if you watch Earthling, if you watch the movies, if you if you talk about these people like Ed Winters who are going around with these excellent videos that have millions and millions of hits. And, you know, he stands there and he he shows you his hands and he shows you his teeth. And he says, if a, if a pig walked into the room right now, most animals that are built to eat other animals. I mean, they can attack that animal with their claws and with their canines and their teeth, and they can have a meal on that animal right there in the room. But if pig walked into a classroom, for example, and this is what Ed Winters says, and we all have our, our little hands and our little mouth, and you know we have no, no guns or tools of any kind. Humans are not set up to kill their own prey with what you know, with what they've been given and, and, you know, without making some kind of tool to kill the, the, so if a, if a, if a little pig ran in the room right now and, you know, you tried to, you tried to grab it with your claws, your hands, it would probably, and this is Ed saying this, it would probably roll over and want you to rub its belly because, you know, pigs love to have their bellies rubbed. That's what and, I was going to say. We can just cuddle with them. And then, okay, so let's say, let's say somehow you mir miraculously, you know, you found a way to kill this poor pig with your bare hands and your mouth. And so now the pig is lying there and it's open and its guts are sticking out. So as humans, we look at that and we're going, oh, I don't want to eat the guts. I don't want to eat the intestines. I don't want to eat the liver and the brains and all of that. I just want it all to go away because I I, I don't like the way that looks. Oh, oh. So naturally that's you in your right mind saying, I should not be eating or killing this animal. And still you know, it's like when you when you tell someone, hey, let's watch this video about how these animals are abused and mistreated and, you know, put in in really cramped quarters. And and, you know, it's just disgusting. And it's like, no, no, I don't want to watch that video. Well, that's because you're you know better. And you're saying you don't want to see those people get the, those those I call them people, those those non-human people get slaughtered. Well, of course you don't. And and why would you? You're not built that way. You're not hardwired that way. You show a lion 
that video and they're going to start salivating because it's like, yeah, I want to eat those guts and I want to eat those lungs and I want to eat those brains, but humans don't. And that's because we shouldn't be eating animals. But you're talking about the media and you're talking about society and you're talking about culture and you're talking about all the things that have forced us to think that this is okay when it's not because we're hardwired to know it's not. And then all of a sudden there's all of these people who are just up in arms if they find out that dogs and cats are being slaughtered for food. But some countries are okay with it, but other countries are not. What's the difference of a dog or a cat or a pig or a cow or a chicken or a goose or a duck or a fish being slaughtered for food? What's the difference? It's the same thing. That pig that runs into the room is going to want you to rub its belly. And that's why we do what we do. So we can talk about, yeah, and the climate change that animal agriculture causes is a horrible thing. And we're going to talk about that today. But really what this organization is all about is, you know, we don't want you to eat animals because we want the animals to live their own lives and not get messed with by humans. And the reason we want to do that is because we're not wired that way. And we have had the good sense to come out of this fog that we're all living in, that this is an okay way to be. And it's not, it's not, we shouldn't be eating animals. Now I ate animals for years and years and years and years and years. And and I was like, you know, I'd go into Safeway and I'd buy breaded chicken breasts. And, and, you know, the guy knew my name. I used to go in there so often and you know, there's this deli and you get, you get ribs and you get all these things. And then one day I realized, thanks to Karen Harkless for giving me a book to read and letting me know that you might really like to know this information. All of a sudden I, it, I, I connected the dots. And I was just like, wait, this is, this is absurd. This is crazy. This is not this is, I can't believe I've been sucked into this lifestyle for as long as I have. I don't like this anymore. And you know, why did we do it? We did it for the taste. And now I can't even stand the smell Mm -hmm. of animals being roasted and flesh being cooked. So what we are all about at Responsible Eating and Living is of course, we want to save the animals, but we have to we have to also let you know because a lot of you are going to say i don't want i don't want to hear this i don't want to look at this i don't want to see animals being slaughtered i just want to eat them and i don't care how my food mm-hmm. gets on my plate i don't want to know this information yeah. i don't want to know this information so now we have to say well look look what it's doing to the environment it's going to affect you your 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 temperatures are going to go up to 115 degrees there's not going to be any water left for you there's going to be smoke coming in from fires in Canada. Uh, And a lot of people are going to give you excuses about why this is happening, but we know why it's happening. It's happening because of animal agriculture. The rivers and the streams and the oceans are all being polluted. The coral reefs, because of fishing, are having major, major damage. And all of this is, is contributing to global warming. So what is it that's going to, to, to turn the switch on in your head? What are you going to finally be able to look look at and the veil is going to be lifted and you're going to say, oh, oh gosh, I've been doing this all along and it's, and it's really 
contributing to not only not only the destruction of the planet, but the destruction of me, my own health, mm -hmm. because we're losing friends. All of yep. us are not That's just true. not just you and I, but a lot of us are losing friends, friends heart that heart disease and diabetes and 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 there's respiratory and, and their and their doctors are finally telling them, you know, the reason you need this this major triple bypass surgery and this uh, this pacemaker and all of that is because your diet, you ate like shit, man. I'm sorry to say, but you know, you ate the wrong food. You should have eaten more vegetables. They're telling us, but they're telling us after they've cracked- They're telling you too late. After they've cracked open your chests or whatever it is that they've done and they've made their- you know, they made their money on your insurance and and now they're finally saying, well, you know, there's really nothing more we could do. You should have eaten better. And this is happening more and more and more. So it's not only what the planet is not only sick because of it, we're sick because of it. And the animals, of course, are sick because of it. And so the animals are are really the ones who are suffering the most. And now what do we do? So we talked to you about what we're going to talk to you about today. There are a lot of articles that that are out there for you to read, which you won't read. And there's a lot of <laughs> and there's a lot of information about restaurants that we're going to give you that you probably won't go to, but maybe one of you will. So that's why we're here. We're here for you. We're here for you because we want you to then talk to someone else and maybe you'll change one other person. And then maybe that person will change one other person because we all need to change. This is not something we can sit around and go, hey, we know you like your meat. So there's this stuff called Beyond Burger now where it tastes just like meat or it tastes just like chicken. And after a while, let me tell you, you don't want it to taste like meat. That's you don't right. want it to taste like chicken. And you don't want it to taste like fish. These are just foods that hopefully are there as tools to help you get off the actual animal. And there's a lot out there. We're going to talk to you about some great restaurants today. And we're going to talk to you about some, some great places that we've gone to eat that are really cool. And the vibe in these places is so amazing. Because and inspiring. Every, yeah, because everybody's kind of smart in a way that, you know, isn't book learned smarts where, you know, you go to Harvard or you go to whatever college you go to and you learn all of this really important knowledge. And then you go to the cafeteria or wherever you go when you, you know, you go to eat, you know, the student union and there's like all of this meat and- Or in the corporations that have come that you work at that right. cafeterias. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about places that you really can go that that when you walk in the door, you're like, okay, this is a safe space, not only for me and my health and the environment, but this is a place that saves animals just simply because of what it's all about. And it's cool and the vibe is hip and everybody in there seems to be a lot smarter and a lot maybe, shall we even say, hipper and wiser, even if they're in their 70s and 80s, they seem to be, you know, they seem to be tuned in to the right frequency. And it's not the mainstream frequency. It's it's more like radio-free Europe used to be when the wall was up, right? It's like it's like the resistance. It's like you're walking into this place that that you know they're kind of like the resistance where they're well, pushing in some ways. That's we are, we're resisting 
the mainstream, we're resisting the status quo because we know it's going to kill us. It's going to kill the planet. It's going to kill all life on earth. We know that. And it's happening right now. Gary, I love your passion. I love yeah. everything that you've just said. And yeah, I love and that you brought it down to its essence, that it's for us and our foundation, it's all about eliminating pain and suffering and exploitation for non-human animals and also for humans on this earth. And, and although we've been preaching about this for a long time, we know that it's that eating animals is connected to our, our health and the increase in chronic disease. And now we're really starting to feel it all around us with our environment that is just heating up and drying up and going to be very difficult to live in. And it already is. And what I yeah, don't I mean, understand is why people aren't getting it yet. I even read on these these Facebook groups in our neighborhood, there are people that still don't believe that we have a climate crisis. No. Oh, there's deniers. The, the earth is flat. Haven't you heard, Karen? Yeah. It's not round. There's deniers about everything. There's conspiracy theorists out there about everything. If you believe in God, then God bless them all. Because... You know, they're trying to do what it is that they're trying to do to really it's all about love, even for the animals. That's what we're here for. We're here because we love and we love the animals. And like I said, I used to eat a lot of animals and I really regret that now. Everyone needs to have the light bulb turned on and however we can get that done, let's get it done. I mean, maybe something we say today about about health, about about the environment, about the animals, about some great restaurant might change your life. I mean, who knows? And you'll stop eating animals because as you're going to point out in this broadcast, you're. I mean, if you go vegan from an environmental perspective, you're going to be cutting down the carbon footprint. There's a lot of numbers attached to it too. If you like numbers, if you like spreadsheets, and I know you do, you've got some pretty good, or the articles that you're going to post have some good numbers that are positive in, yes, in amazing numbers. I just want to finish up this one New York Times article from last year, just bringing up a couple more lines and lines of lies, because it's really hard these days to read an article that sounds so logical, so sensible, so well-researched, and it's lying to you. So here's a, a couple of lines. Cows and other livestock, after all, can often be raised on pasture that would otherwise be unsuitable for growing crops, and they eat crop residues that would otherwise go to waste. Now, that's a manipulated sentence because the land that livestock is on that is considered unsuitable for growing crops, a lot of people are discovering that they can rejuvenate a lot of land that was considered unsuitable for crops and they're growing things on it because they're figuring out how to rejuvenate. And that's one of the things that we need to do is bring life back to some of these areas of land that have already been destroyed. And then the other part is it continues and says they, meaning the cows and other livestock, also produce manure that we can use as fertilizer. Now this is true to some degree, but two things. One is we have mountains of manure, mountains of shit from animals, cows, and other livestock because we're growing way too many of them. And 
the nutrient from these piles is getting into our waterways and causing all kinds of devastation and killing livestock. And our biodiversity is going down the river, going down the tubes because we're using too much fertilizers from under the earth, from petrochemicals. And we're adding that to the soil to grow feed, to feed animals and the animals shit it out. And, and then all of this gets back into the environment in a very unbalanced way that's killing us. So talking and saying manure is good, is, it's just, is, it's trying to justify the whole insanity of raising animals exactly. for food to begin with. And they're just trying to, they're just, it's just another smokescreen that people are throwing up to, to try and justify why all of this horrific treatment of animals and these horrible, horrible factory farms and, and, you know, they'll, they'll throw the word pasture in there and all of a sudden you'll think, oh, how idyllic our little animals can now go out onto this path. I mean, Come on, it's bullshit. Well, it is bullshit. And now literally and figuratively have more data to show that it is bullshit. And they're and they're, you know, they're artificially inseminating. Speaking of bulls, they're artificially inseminating these cows. They're taking their babies away. They're locking them in crates. I mean, come on, it's it's fucking ridiculous. And I mean, if there's anything that article shows me is that somebody is just really ignorant about this and is trying to you know keep perpetrating this myth that it, you know raising animals for food is normal and somewhere along the way somebody forgot to say this is bad what we're doing what are you going to do now you're going to try to get as many people as you can to see that raising animals for food is insanity it's insanity it's insanity and we're going to try and the question is what number how many numbers? How big does it have to be? What does it have to be about to convince people to make the change? People are already adjusting. I mean, 115 degree temperatures in Palm Springs. I keep talking about that because I have friends in Palm Springs and they're just saying, well, you know, I guess today's the day or this week's the week that we're just going to sit in the air conditioned clubhouse of our little condominium complex and, you know, just chill. And that's like, you know, that's another nightmare. So how many air conditioners does it take to end the world? I mean, yeah, because pretty and when is the grid going to just collapse? What happens then when the yeah. electricity doesn't flow, the air conditioner doesn't work, and it's 115 degrees outside? Right. I mean, we're fortunate, even though we're dealing with a lot of smoke this summer, we're fortunate that we're we are getting this rain because it's cooling things down. And, you know, we're we're up in the 80s. And the humidity is, is, you know, it's the humidity, but, but I mean, you know, we're, you and I are trying not to turn our air conditioner on at all. And um, people think we're insane. And then the other thing that we don't have is a microwave and they really think we're insane because we don't have a microwave. So we're just the insane, crazy people that live in the building and we don't who use eat the best food and who make the best parties with the best food. That's right. We always have and we always will. I think you're you're trying to unload all this frustration. Well, you know, I've been frustrated most of my life with this whole scenario. It's it, you know, it, there's there's a time when you just have to say take the gloves off and call it what it is. And really, if you were hardwired to be out there with claws and with canines, you know, eating intestines and stomach and heart and liver and kidneys from an animal 
you know, you would just dig your face in there and watch a lion take down a gazelle or a giselle. Giselle is the ballet, excuse me. Gazelle. Watch a lion take down a gazelle. It is a magnificent sight, even though it's heartbreaking, right? Because that animal is built to eat that gazelle top to bottom. You watch a human try to take down a gazelle with their own legs and hands. It does. It doesn't. You know, they need a high-powered rifle, and you know, and I mean, I'd love to see a, a human run after a gazelle and take it down. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there that can do that, but it's going to require some skill. And then rip it open with your teeth and your hands, and then start, you know, feasting on it. Come on, this is what we're talking about, folks. We're not made that way. We and someone along the way has told us we should be eating these things and we really shouldn't be. We should be eating fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes and nuts and seeds. We should be drinking pure water and not water that's been tainted with pesticides and herbicides. We Our food should be organic. Artificial colors and sugars. Yeah. Our food should be organic and... When, when it's our time to go and everyone's going to have that time, it shouldn't be something that's as horrid as somebody having to crack open your chest and work on you and then have your lifestyle need to, need to be. You should just be able to just go to sleep, right? And, yeah. and then not wake up. That's what we're here for. We're here to give you the truth and the tools that you need for a healthy lifestyle. My advice is go vegan, stop eating animals now. Things will change for you. And it's so easy. And you could do it with a microwave if you want. You don't have, and you could do it, <laughs> you could do it with an air conditioner if you want. You can do it. Maybe some of you have seen this new report that has come out. It's published on nature.com. And many of the other media sites are now doing their own spin on this report. And, and that's a good thing because everybody should be talking about it and it, we should be talking about it every day. It should be a headline every day, not just, oh, here's a new study and we learn about it and then forget about it. But this one is called innature.com, vegans, vegetarians, fish eaters, and meat eaters in the UK show discrepant environmental impacts. Yeah. Now the authors of this report are primarily, uh, from either Oxford University or associated with the university at Oxford. But a number of different authors and affiliations put together this report and it's very profound. They've analyzed the real diets of 55,000 people in the UK. And then they also cleverly use data from 38,000 farms in 119 countries in order to account for differences in the impact of particular foods that are produced in different ways and places. The results are just insane. <laughs> We've been talking about things being insane, right? Yeah, it's they are insane. incredible. So vegans are responsible for 75% less greenhouse gas emissions than meat eaters and so much more. We're talking about 54% less water use, and we care about water these days, right? 66% less biodiversity loss. And that's simply by avoiding all animal products, meat, eggs, dairy. And meat includes fish, 
the Fish. scaly vegetable and Absolutely. chicken, the feathered vegetable. And lamb. Lamb. And lamb. What? You don't eat lamb. You don't eat meat. That's okay. We'll make lamb. Remember they, that from my big fat Greek wedding. Everybody does, right? Right. And it's also, you know, some people say, well, I eat locally and it's okay. I eat, I eat uh, grass-fed beef and it's locally grown and that's better than vegetarians who get their soy products or get their process, whatever, from shipped from somewhere else. And you know what? You're wrong. We're talking it's about an animal that you are, you are responsible for the murder of an animal when you even try and justify your grass-fed beef. So I say to you, bullshit. Then I give you a big moo. This study has also shown that organic cow, chicken, and pig meat production is just as harmful to the climate as conventional livestock There it farming. is. There it is. But once again, trying to justify eating animals is insanity. So the conclusion of this study is there is a strong relationship between the amount of animal-based foods in a diet and its environmental impact, including GHG emissions, land use, water use, eutrophication and biodiversity, dietary shifts away from animal-based foods can make a substantial contribution to reduction of the UK environmental footprint. Now, this study was done in the UK, right? So that's why it says the UK environmental footprint. Anyway, uncertainty due to region of origin and methods of food production do not obscure these differences between diet groups and should not be a barrier to policy action aimed at reducing animal-based food consumption. Read the whole study. It's long, it's detailed, it's done incredibly well. They've done their homework, right? And they They've have done their homework. You know, you used a big word in there, Gary, called eutrophication. Eutrophication, yes. And I just wanted, if anybody caught that and said, wait, wait, wait a minute, he's going too fast. And I don't know what eutrophication is because I didn't know. Harmful algal blooms, dead zones, and fish kills are the result of the process called eutrophication which begins with the increased load of nutrients to estuaries and coastal waters. So I was talking about those big piles of shit before that are filled with nutrients from all of the fertilizers in the soils that are used. And then the, and they get into the waterways and the waterways pollute the bigger bodies. And also the animals manure is filled with all kinds of stuff that gets into the waterways and all of this stuff, all of these, this increased load of nutrients is polluting the waters and causing dead zones where things cannot even live and fish are dying because the algal blooms are taking all the oxygen and there's nothing left for the fish to breathe. And I'm out of breath because yeah. I, I and basically, all of this happening. Basically eating animals is a disaster, not only to the animal, but to you, and the environment. It's a disaster and we're continuing to do it and we don't care. You know, I have a lot of friends who are no longer my friends because they heard that I was vegan and they stopped talking to me because I don't want bacon on pizza anymore, right? This is something that a lot of people talk about. It's like, hey man, pigs are raised for bacon and I like my bacon on pizza and I like it. Pizza is not pizza without bacon. I mean, I'm not the only person 
to say this. There are people out there that say this, folks. And and really, that's why you think a pig is there. It's for you to have your bacon. And so you're going to have your bacon and you're going to eat it too. And you're going to have your climate change and you're going to be okay with it because you've got your you've got your air conditioner and you've got your microwave. And so it's all good. And now nothing down on microwaves. Okay. I mean, I'm just it's using It's all that. good until it isn't good. And so, so what I'm saying is you need somebody to kill your pig for you to give you your bacon. It's very difficult for you to look at that little pig and try and take it down and then not have it roll over on its back and want you to rub its belly. I mean, I'm going to keep talking about that because that's the reality here. You wouldn't kill that pig if you had to. You wouldn't eat bacon if you had to kill that pig. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. Wait, 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 Gary, most people wouldn't do it, but some people would. Oh, yeah, some people would and some people do, but they're not happy. They're not happy working in the slaughterhouses. We know that there've been, there've been lots of studies on, on, you know, suicide and, and how their, their families are impacted by the fact that, that one of them has to work at a slaughterhouse. And, and it's just, it, it may be at first that paycheck is, is going to look good. I mean, you have to feed your families, right? So you've got to get a job wherever you can. Right. But now they can't find people to work in slaughterhouses and meat processing plants. So you know what they're doing? They're using kids. They're taking yeah. kids off the streets. They're taking kids and they're putting them in these factories and dangerous conditions and they're not training them well and they're getting hurt. I mean, they're it's trying a nightmare. to change. They're trying to change laws so that children can work. Yeah, it's a disaster. What's happening, folks? What's happening is that we are consumed with disinformation and we're getting the wrong information. I mean, we'll go back to what we originally heard, every single one of us who ever went vegan, and some of you might be listening, how do you get your protein? And, and it's like, if you don't eat animals, how do you get your protein? How do you get it? I have to eat my chicken. I have to eat, I have to eat my steak because I need my protein. And that's another myth. Where do the animals get the protein? They get it from eating plants. And there's a great line in The Game Changers, the film from this weightlifter, this vegan weightlifter, the guy's incredible. And he says, all of my friends come up to me and ask me if, if I stop eating animals, where am I gonna get my protein? They say, you're as strong as an ox and you don't eat animals. How do you get your protein? And his comeback is, have you ever seen an ox eat an animal? No, I've paraphrased it terribly, but... <laughs> But yeah, it's, the point it's, is these big, muscly, non-human animals get that way from plants. Lots of leafy greens. Leafy green vegetables have lots of protein. Hey, Gary. That. Yeah. I want to flip the tone of this. Okay? Yeah, let's go. Now get... I want to go to happy, delicious community, all the stuff that we believe in that can make a difference on this planet. And I, I really want to applaud some of the people that have businesses that are making a difference in a small way, but in a significant way. Right. So, so we've been having a, a great summer so far, doing some traveling here on the East Coast. Uh, so we went to Cape Cod, right, Karen? That's right. And we stayed in one of these resort kind of places. I haven't had a timeshare for decades now, and it's coming to an end soon. So we're just going to a few places before it ends. And they usually have kitchens which I like because I, I know that I can always make my food if there aren't any restaurants nearby. We did look for some vegan friendly places. And the one 
that we found that was heaven on earth was bread and roses in Hyannis. We were in Yarmouth. Yeah, we were staying in Yarmouth. And Hyannis was just a few miles away. Hyannis has a lots, lots of history. There's a museum, a, a John F. Kennedy Museum there. And so it gets some tourists there. There's busloads that come into that area. And so Karen found this place. How did you find Bread and Roses? Uh, well, know? thanks to happycow.net, which I, is that... your source online for vegan places all over the planet. Happy Cow is terrific. Yeah. And so Karen went on Happy Cow and she said, hey, there's this place called Bread and Roses. Unbelievable. It's all vegan. It's also a bookstore. It it goes back to the days when these cafe bookstores were thriving throughout the country. And now they're almost all gone. But this one is kept up so well. And the staff there is I mean, just amazing. If you go in there, I'm sure Mary will be behind the counter or one of the great staff members. Tell them Gary and Karen sent you. Bread and Roses, Hyannis. I wanted to go there every day for they're breakfast. They're good for breakfast or lunch. I don't think they're open late. It's a coffee shop. It's all vegan, like Gary said. They have sandwiches and smoothies and salads. They have some things that are gluten-free. They have soaked oats. They have a pastry section, breads and pastries. And cinnamon rolls. Some people call them cinnabuns. They're amazing. They're they're. Their dessert really looks awesome. And I had peanut butter toast. It was terrific. It was, I had it every day we went in there. It was the best. It was two slices of, of sourdough, French bread. It was amazing. They slathered it with some peanut butter and they gave you a little, few little slices of, of bananas on there. And then they sprinkled little mini chocolate chips, just enough to give you a little hit of chocolate. The best peanut butter toast I have ever had. And that yeah. includes that includes my peanut butter toast, which I used to think was the best peanut butter toast, but it this place kicked its butt. I ate but a it, lot more bread than I normally do because I'm not a big bread person. And a few years back, I swore off wheat, but I'm actually eating more wheat. And that's a good thing because I'm not having the problems I used to have when I ate wheat. Maybe it wasn't wheat. Maybe it was wheat. Maybe I healed. I don't know, but I'm enjoying bread. And I had a number of their different sandwiches, a hummus sandwich with some baby arugula on it. Really fantastic. A few other sandwiches, great drinks. I'd get my matcha latte. Sometimes I got macadamia. Macadamia nut milk. Nut milk. It looked really or rich. Soy milk. Yeah. I didn't want to be decadent every day, but it was a really fun place to go. Yeah, the smoothies were great. We actually had a couple of smoothies there. So check it out if you're in Cape Cod and you're anywhere near Yarmouth or Hyannis. Go to Bread and Roses. Tell them Gary and Karen sent you. Now, the other place, we did go to Provincetown. And if you're familiar at all with Cape Cod, at the very end, the very tip of this peninsula is Provincetown. And it's a very lively place, very colorful. We were walking along it, and this is just before the summer season started. So we were lucky because there really wasn't a lot of people or traffic, but Provincetown already was pretty yeah, lively. It was a party. Just walking down the street party. was a party. We found this place called Grab and Go. It's a health bar that serves vegan and vegetarian food. They have vegan soft serve. I'm kind of nuts for vegan soft serve, and we'll get to that in a minute. 
No pun actually, intended. I didn't get any that day. I got a smoothie. That was great. Our Cape Cod adventure. But you know, the rest of the time, what we did <laughs> was we used the microwave in our Yeah. Room. And it was very handy. I could see why <laughs> I could see that why they caught on. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, we just had one of these efficiency kitchens and it really wasn't stocked very well. It was great. Choice. Now back to our hometown. We were meeting some friends a few days ago. A dear friend of mine, Prem Glidden, we used to be on the Earth Save International Board together back in the late 90s. And we've, we've remained friends and I've seen her in a variety of different places, Chicago. And now she came to New York with her partner, Bob. And we met at a restaurant called Cadence. Yeah, an awesome place. It's part of Overthrow Hospitality. The website describes it. Cadence is a plant-based restaurant with Southern Soul, executive chef Shinari Freeman, taps into her Virginia upbringing and vegan ethos and spotlights Southern foodways and soul food through the lens of health and sustainability. The kitchen is not only vegan, it's also organic and entirely soy-free. It's great. And uh, you were saying earlier to me before we went on the air that you think chef Shinari Freeman is going to be the next big thing. Shinari is a James Beard Award nominee, a graduate of the Institute of Culinary Education's plant-based health supportive culinary arts program. And I think she's just going to win more and more awards and get notoriety in since opening in 2021, Chef Shinari has been named a Forbes 30 Under 30 recipient. Oh, and has been nominated for two James Beard Awards, not one. And is on track to open a second restaurant this year. So yeah. we went and let me just read the menu, which I'm sure changes from time to time. But this is a shared food restaurant. So we were told by the server that they recommend sharing all of the food. That's how the plates are intended. So there's fried green tomatoes. They have a wedge salad, which we got, which brought us back years when we used to eat big wedges of iceberg lettuce. But this was really amazing. Amazing. A vegan buttermilk ranch. Just delicious. Amazing. And, they, and if you're fans of bacon, they have this. They have this bacon on this salad that's obviously made from mushrooms and it's unbelievable yeah it's quite good so there's a potato salad a jerk mac and cheese which we tried which was excellent there's maple buttermilk cornbread collard green wraps with a succotash chickpea miso broth and purple shiso we had that too we also tried the palm cake chickpeas heart of palm chipotle aioli slaw and you know there's a description in the menu of, of what ingredients are in here but you have no idea what it's going to be like until it's on your plate and you try it these are really very creative very unique flavors there's biscuits and gravy smoked grits buffalo oyster mushroom fried oyster mushroom and waffles we had the Southern fried lasagna with a red wine, bolognese, pineapple ricotta, and spinach. That was very tasty. You can go to their Instagram page and see all of this food we're talking about or their Facebook page it's, or go to their website. It's really cool. Yeah, and we, so for we people like who it. think that vegan food is just brown rice and steamed vegetables, which 
I love, by the way. Yeah. Which uh, is there are some amazing stuff. chefs out there doing some just magical things with plants and cadence is one of them. And, you know, it's adorable too. the space. It reminded me of, of some of the restaurants we went to in London uh, from the outside. And of course the East village is just, just such a fun, fun place to be and see all of this incredible architecture. This restaurant also had a dessert option. They have a, a lemon berry cake and they also have a cadence cobbler, but we had already decided that we were going to go to a place called Bananas. Bananas. We took a little walk to Bananas. And this is Morgan Stern's Bananas. I've been craving soft serve, vegan soft serve. And we found a few places, but I think this is the best yet. Morgan Stern's Bananas. We tried it. Almost everything is vegan. Almost everything they do have a few toppings that have honey in them and they let you know what they are. And then they have marshmallows that clearly are not vegan. And I'm not sure why they don't use vegan marshmallows, but I'm not going to slam them. The, everything else is vegan and it's fantastic. Really we this, fun. We got the salted peanut butter, but yeah. they have a coffee haze, super chalk, and uh, coconut Thai tea, ube cookies and cream. You have to check it out. The line Sumo was long. Strawberry, but it was mango. Yeah, really it was good. good. It was really good, and um, and it and was. You can lively. get it. You can get it in a cup or a cone. They have several different cone options. I am so hungry right now. I know, aren't you? Starving. <laughs> Starving. Starving. But before you and I finish up this program and then we can eat, I wanted to talk about what we had this morning. So years ago, when we were creating a lot of recipes for responsible eating and living, we started making our own jams, or you could call them fruit butters, jams, whatever you want. But compotes, compotes, preserves, it's such, a, such a simple concept. So if you get an organic dried fruit, like an apricot, and Gary might say apricot. I take a pound of dried fruit. It's got to be organic, un, you know, unsulfured, clean. And you cook it with three cups of water. The fruit gets soft. And then you can blend it. Either use one of these turbo blenders in the pot, being careful not to splatter yourself, or you can put it in a, a blender when it's cooled down a bit. It makes a couple of jars of jam and it's the most delicious. And all it is is dried fruit. Keep it in the refrigerator. You don't want to sure, put this in the in cupboard. The and you have to eat it. Otherwise, at some point it'll go moldy, but it lasts weeks. It, it, lasts. Lasts, it does. It lasts weeks in the refrigerator. Some people caution about eating too much dried fruit. And this is a great way to use dried fruit because you're rehydrating it. It's just the fruit and water. We've made apricot jam and we do it a lot. We buy organic apricots in bulk. And then you can make date paste or date butter, whatever you, you call it. Same recipe. You pit a pound of dates. We prefer organic medjool. We get them from foodtolive.com, which is a fantastic place for buying in bulk. You do not have to add any extra sugar. That's why we're using dried fruit, right? Because it's really gotten that And we use sweetness. it to sweeten a lot of things too. Yeah. And but it's one just... pound of dried fruit 
two, three cups of water. And we've done it with prunes. Oh, you know, I think I started it with prunes. Prune butter, yeah. I started for making hamantashen cookies that were prune filled, right? Prune butter. Because it was, I couldn't find a prune butter that didn't have tons of stuff in it. We have to try it. We we have to try it with dried pears and dried peaches. mm, Yeah. So anyway, this morning I made fig butter. So good. Same recipe. One pound of dried figs, three cups of water. And you cook it until it's soft and blend it up. And it's the best thing. Cook it about 15, 20 minutes. And this morning we had our bread and roses kind of breakfast. So we made Ezekiel toast, which is that organic sprouted grain bread and a little peanut butter on it and fig butter. Yeah, it was great. And uh, it was almost as good as bread and roses. Not well, better. We, well, it was better, but we we had to do the dishes. We weren't in Hyannis. We weren't at Cape Cod. We, we were weren't here on to, vacation. We were here in New York, but it was still wonderful and lovely. And now I'm hungry. So yeah, I, I'm getting very hungry. I can't tell you anymore because that's it's time for me to eat. I'm just going to talk a minute or two more. I want to just report anybody gardening out there and gardening is such a joy if you have any space to grow anything because i think deep in our dna we are meant to enjoy growing plants because it's what sustains us and nourishes us about a month ago we took one of our favorite trips out east and we always stop at this little farm but we usually go at the end of the summer and we get a lot of produce and we get a lot of the squashes that we use for Thanksgiving and things like that. But we were there early, so they didn't have a whole lot. But what they did have were pots of herbs. And I bought three different kinds of mint. Gary loves mint. He doesn't drink caffeine anymore. He drinks a lot of mint tea. Yeah. But it would be fun to get different kinds of mint to make fresh mint tea. There was a chocolate mint. There was a mojito mint. And then I just got a regular spearmint. Well, anyway, we've got them growing in these big pots outside. And it's just such a pleasure to have an unlimited supply of fresh mint, not just for mint tea, but I made a quinoa tabbouleh recently. And then I made another dish recently. What was it? Pistachios and mint and rice and a lot of spices. That was quite good. It was great. It was a, a Middle Eastern dish. It was delicious. And you used coconut. You used oh, uh, yeah. coconut was in there too. I and, might have to write that up and post it. It was good. Yeah, that was great. And again, the coconut gave it sort of a bacony flavor, you know, that crispy kind exactly. of toasty, smoke, smoky, mm-hmm. bacony flavor. For those of you who can't get enough of your bacon taste. <laughs> yeah, we've other also way- got a little basil and a little parsley out there. And I started a little cilantro from seed, a very old seed, and it came up, but it didn't survive. So we're going to have to find some cilantro. To- That's the thing about seeds is, you know, you've got to learn about what makes us a good seed for planting and and what doesn't. And that's all I got. So Karen, we've touched on a lot of things here. It's been a good Good conversation. I've enjoyed being back to talk with you. I've enjoyed having you and hearing all that passion. It it inspires me. Well, because, you know, it's time. It's time. I've come on the show and I've tried to, I've tried to be like, you know, hey, everything's cool, man. You know, whatever you want to do. But really, we're at a point now where you just have to go vegan. 
to save not only the planet, to save your own life from pain and suffering, but also for the animals. It's for the animals. It's for that little piggy who you wants, and, who wants also, its belly. Gary, I, I just want to say, you mentioned it earlier, also for our friends. You're right. We're losing our friends. And it's all about love, as we talked about earlier. I mean, this is really what this program is about. It's about loving every living thing on the planet and loving the planet because it's a living thing. It's a living, breathing thing. And, and thing, breathing, you mentioned breathing. Yeah, it breathing is. Breathing is important. It's so important for us to reduce our stress. And if the air is filled with smoke, we can't breathe. Yeah, because we breathe for a living, folks. We breathe for a living. And, you know, like I said originally, maybe it's too late. Maybe we can't reverse any of this destruction that we've caused. And we are the cause. Humans are the cause. You just, you can't deny it. And humans are the cause because they are killing things, raising things to be killed. Whatever you believe in, if you believe in some kind of higher power, eventually that higher power is going to say, you know, and I'm not a religious person, but I mean, somewhere out there, the universe is saying, you can't really do this. You, you can't keep justifying doing this with lies. You've got to face the truth. And the truth is, it's insanity what you're doing, because we've been told through the generations that this is okay to do. We're sort of walking around thinking that this is okay to do. And once the veil is lifted, you see the insanity and you can't do anything else but sit around and stand on a street corner and start screaming. And I haven't gotten to that point yet. I'm We want to scream, but we know that screaming doesn't help. No. So it's this balancing uh... act. Gary, we've been talking about so many wonderful foods towards the end of this program. I'm really hungry. I know you're really hungry. I think it's time for us to eat. So oh. We're going to leave everybody now. Go make some of this great vegan food we've been talking food. about. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was really wonderful talking to you again, Karen. I love having these passionate conversations with you about the one thing that we both agree on, and that's food. Yeah. And we need to hear from you if you're out there. Info at realmeals.org. I get inspired when I get messages and questions or concerns, even a disagreement, whatever it is, send us an email at info at realmeals.org. You've been listening to It's All About Food. I'm Karen Hartglass with Gary Dimite. Have a delicious, delicious week. week. Bye-bye. Bye.